Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Everyone, Nina Lin, if I may, I would just like to assure all of you, as the new board president, I will not let Bunny's demise adversely affect the building. I'm in charge now, and a new era begins. Mm. Someone's sure itchy to step into the presidential wedgies. Don't get me started on Nina. Why? What do you know? I can't speak openly here. She's got such a maternal glow. <laughs> Funny. I look at her and I think of Rosemary's baby. If Rosemary were a hedge fund manager and couldn't wait to carry the devil's child. Did Bunny and Nina get along at all? No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't. Shh. Mabel. I will only say this. If you thought Bunny was a bitch, where do you get a load of this one? Oh! <gasps> Potty mouths and everything. That's uh, the second season of Only Murders in the Building. Uh, the new episodes every Tuesday are on Disney Plus. James Dempsey joins us once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon to you, Sean. Uh, they only already set it up for a second series. They had, yeah. So I, I have to admit, I am Only Murders in the Building season one. I definitely reviewed on this slot probably about a year ago. I imagine that's when it came out, and I I was I was probably about lukewarm to it. I I thought it was kind of okay. Uh, The first two episodes when they came out, maybe the first three, I can't remember. And it was this show that um, people on the internet kept telling me was really, 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 really good. And it honestly took me till last week to finish (laughs) season one, uh, just because of various sitting down in front of the TV and watching other things for the slot and coming back to this and dribs and drabs. And it really all came together. I have to admit, even though it took me a full year to watch it, I can acknowledge that with each episode, Only Murders in the Building season one just got better and better and funnier and funnier. And season two is set up right at the very end of season one. So I won't go into much detail in case it uh, accounts for a spoiler. But essentially what we have here is Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez starring as Charles, Oliver and Mabel, who live in this very, very fancy building in New York. And uh, they're true crime podcast aficionados and in season one a mysterious murder that has lots of red herrings and uh, you know and Mr. X takes place and they decide to create their own podcast the titular only murders in the building and in the second season there has been uh, very conveniently another murder <laughs> in, in the building <laughs> and, uh, and and they are in fact doing a second season of the podcast and uh, this time around uh, who's joining the cast I guess we have Shirley McLean playing uh, Leonora Fulger at 88 doing uh, like she's just a real pro that one right Mm, she's going places and uh, Amy Schumer Amy Schumer playing a version of herself very funny and uh, what I actually especially liked about this season or so far the two episodes we've seen anyway is that in the first season they created in the Arconia this you know this building this uh, this kind of like cavalry of of bizarre neighbours that are all very 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 funny and they're played primarily by New York, uh, like Broadway performers. And like, if you were to go through their IMDb, it's a Tony here, a Tony there and 15 nominations as well. And uh, this time around, they seem to be leaning much more heavily into the kind of scenery chewing silliness of the building and of the neighborhood. Because kind of, I guess, but slightly, maybe didn't put me off, but what I, I remarked in the first series is the murder is quite grisly. <laughs> like, it's very, um, it's very, very sad and and tragic. And, and it kind of is, you know, they go very deep on it. Whereas this time around, 
they're going much, much more for comedic and, and hitting it. And I have to admit, I watched the first two episodes on a flight and I was like chuckling away watching it. And the man beside me was like peering in every five seconds to see what I was looking at. <laughs> so all in all, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited to keep going and I, I will finish this one on a weekly basis and not uh, in a year's time. Uh, and do they remark upon the fact that this must be the you know the must the unluckiest building in Manhattan? Murders <laughs> keep occurring there. The show is very self-aware. You know, I, I even like actually that with each episode there's a title card and it's it's imagined on the screen as like a, you're looking at your phone and a podcasting app is playing your podcast and and the second of the podcast matches the second you are on the TV show at the same time and it is just the whole thing is very referential and self-aware of podcasts and actually even of the media that the various three stars have starred in right so there's constant little references to movies or tv shows that steve martin martin short and selena gomez has been in although her only previous tv credits are barney the dinosaur and which is a waverly place so <laughs> a little harder to work them in but um i guess this time around it, like you know I, I think it was something of a surprise hit to be honest with you, only mm. murders in the building, despite the pedigree of the people attached, right? Like, I mean, Steve Martin is a big guy, but he'd never done a TV show before this. And um, I, I like you have to imagine, right? So this was made for Hulu in the US, put on Disney Plus on our shores. This is probably the most successful Disney Plus show that isn't a Marvel or a Star Wars, you know, uh, like yeah. property, right? It's probably the most successful standalone original content that Disney Plus has got going around the world. So, uh, so basically i think it like they have you know they've really sort of figured out that it is a show that is referential to pop culture that is referential to the you know the the phenomenon of true crime in general and is very you know and this season references that back because there's a second podcast being made about the podcast being made in the building <laughs> in Ugevi. And, and and you know like they they understand what they're doing here without i think necessarily being mean-spirited or looking down on anyone that might sort of be interested in, in in true crime right but but all in all yeah it was very very a very very funny start a much stronger start for me than season two or season one rather anyway. yeah it's actually it's kind of interesting that maybe the streaming services it's a it's a relatively small aspect of it, but say with you know with only murders in the buildings, the Kaminsky method, maybe even hacks to a certain extent that that you have a kind of an older generation of actors who maybe aren't getting Hollywood parts anymore, mm. but they're being allowed to shine, possibly even more so. Uh, Very in, much so in, in these kind of television things, and and, and especially I think um, you know a lot of kind of the. The, the really sort of prestige TV of the last two years has been full of Broadway performers because they haven't been able to be on Broadway or, you know, they weren't able mm. to be on Broadway for such a long time during the pandemic. So, like, if you look at something like The Gilded Age, like, that is literally packed to the rafters with, like, Broadway stars and Tony winners. And even though it is not a good show, <laughs> it is a very, very enjoyable show because of just you know, everyone in it elevates it, you know, beyond the kind of silliness of the source material. So like, it's a sort of surprise benefit, I guess, of lockdown that we have all these really, really, really good actors on screen that we wouldn't normally have on screen. Yeah, indeed. Uh, just finished actually season two of Hacks. I was surprised then because you immediately look it up and you go, when's the next one coming? And <laughs> I, there was a, they actually took a breath before they commissioned the third series, which is just astonishing to me. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, the second season was uh, even better. Uh, right, okay, we'll move on to our next show now. This is a show that's really up James's alley. I'm sure he absolutely <laughs> loved this. It's The Terminal List, uh, all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. Here's a clip. Where were the IDs located? Right here. If it was just IDs and nothing out of the ordinary, but they were armed loyalists waiting to ambush us. Oh, they knew we were coming. Commander, at what point of the operation did you notice that... Special Warfare Operator Second Class Donnie Mitchell was unwell. Excuse me, what? SO2 Mitchell, the youngest member of your troop, experienced some sort of episode during the operation shortly before he set off the explosion. Gentlemen, you need to understand something. I have 12 men flying home in caskets right now. You want to ask me questions about Donnie Mitchell? It was the SDF trooper who panicked, not Donnie. A mission log said it was Donnie Mitchell. No, it wasn't, okay? I was there. It wasn't Donnie. Easy, Commander. We're just telling you what we know. There you go. How can he speak with a jaw that's that square? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> is this a thing now Chris Pratt is doing? He's just doing killing people. Uh, Chris Pratt, like, it's very interesting the direction that his career has taken, right? Mm. Because, like, you know, he broke out from Parks and Rec, you know, Parks and Recreation as this, like, lovable, kind of slightly rotund, uh, laughable, easygoing guy. And at the time, he was married to Anna, I think she's Anna, not Anna, Anna Faris. And, uh, you know, they they were like Hollywood's golden couple uh, for the internet generation. Everyone just loved them. And then... um, I think like his career took this huge turn, I guess, like Marvel made him a hunk, right? Like they, they put him on the special diet and made mm-hmm. him do all the sit-ups. And But even that character, Star-Lord in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, is a fun, easygoing, yeah. quipping kind of guy. And then it all seems to kind of take a change around the time he was in Zero Dark Thirty. Although he's very, very good in it and it is like an excellent movie. And um, it begins this like turning point for him taking on these more kind of uh, more dour, I would say, than serious roles. And even if like even in the much maligned Jurassic Park reboot trilogy that he stars in, like increasingly in each one of those he's less charming deliberately like i mean Mm. i think it's he's making this choice to be much more serious and in his personal life you know he divorced his wife uh he fell foul of the internet by making by by some poorly chosen words about her and their child at one point he married arnold schwarzenegger's daughter and it has become this uh, maybe he always was, I don't know, but has become this very um, part of this big kind of Christian movement in, in the US. And here, right, we have him playing this Navy SEAL. It is a passion project for him. It's from a, a series of books I have to admit I'd never heard of, written by a man named Jack Carr, who was a former Navy SEAL himself and who writes these very dour, miserable Navy SEAL <laughs> stories uh, <laughs> about, about like, and, and they're all about the precision of Navy SEAL dumb, if that's the right way of saying it right yeah. so so in the creation of this show right he plays uh, chris pat plays commander lieutenant commander james reese who is um you know, a, a, a by the book expert military Navy SEAL leader. And he's leading his team on this mission in Aleppo and it all goes disastrously wrong. And at the very beginning, we see him flying back with 12 coffins. And then they do this. So then the issue is that he's, he's become concussed during this mission himself and his memories vary very differently from the recording of what's going on. So there is 
the intrigue of both what happened and is he a reliable narrator or is there some greater, uh, you know, s- uh, sabotage or uh, puppet string pulling going on by the by forces all the way to the top, right? Now, this is a grueling nine-hour <laughs> uh, series. And certainly, I feel like a lot of fat could have been trimmed. I, I will say I didn't go the whole distance. I got to about hour five. And by that point... You know, uh, things had certainly moved on. And I will say, uh, you know, quite a shocking thing happens at the end of episode one. But I didn't. Uh, b- but then there's a lot of rehashing of the same sort of uh, kind of fantasy sequence or dream sequence over and over again. That becomes incredibly tiresome. Like they overuse it so much that it actually just becomes annoying. And there's no levity. Like there's no break in the po-faced seriousness of this at all. And that for me, is just a no-go, right? I can't go this long (laughs) without someone breaking the tension. The action scenes come quick and fast. They are grand. Like, they're they're not spectacular. The director is Antoine Fuqua, who's a well-known American director, in his description of it, he said, you know, he the way he filmed a lot of the scenes was he got the camera right in close on on Chris Pratt to sort of emphasize the physicality and the technical, you know, uh, aptness or correctness of his, you know, various takedowns. But I have to admit, like I as an audience person prefer spectacle to technical, <laughs> if you get me right. Like it's, you know, like I'm not that impressed if Chris Pratt knows how to reload a gun <laughs> in combat conditions. But um, evidently, they were very impressed. All in all, all in all, (laughs) all in all, uh, this is part of like Amazon's kind of, you know, unusual uh, quest to get like the, you know, dads, right? Like they have this show, they have uh, Bosch, they have Jack Ryan, they have Reacher, although I did actually like Reacher. These are all cut from the same cloth, right? They are Mm. this like hard man done wrong then does right by doing extreme violence <laughs> and uh, it's not necessarily my cup of tea but it may well be someone so if, if those kind of shows appeal to you you might find a lot in here but other than that my other complaint about it is it's it's very dark and i mean that literally like you need to be turning up the you know the 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 street this screen contrast just to even make out what's going on and that's a personal gripe that I will not concede. Right okay uh, it doesn't do that sound thing as well that a lot of people complain about you can't really hear what <laughs> no, that are saying. One... Yeah, that one I didn't notice as much. Anyway. Oh, that's for the, it's the half-deaf dad market anyway. They have to turn up the sound for them. <laughs> it's kind of a bit disturbing as well. I, like, you know, things that are aimed at dads, and I object to this as a father, are all like, you know, very thinly disguised revenge fantasies where you get to kill everyone who's annoyed you in the last whatever. Uh, the, but is this, so it's not really kind of a procedure of this in the sense of trying to figure out what happened. It's, it's still shooting people, even though so he's back it, in the States. It, Actually, I would say the one uh, one strong one strong interesting point the plot actually makes is sort of right at the uh, you know very early on um, we uh, we we see that uh, what James Reese remembers is not what happened. So we see that James Reese is this absolutely unreliable narrator of this own story, and the terminal list refers to a list of people he is going to terminate for revenge purposes for what has gone down. Oh. And and basically, what's interesting for us as a viewer is we don't know if what he's doing is right right because you know because we know he's he's not like there's uh, he's got had a concussion and he's got some sort of memory problem so we we don't know whether for a very long time whether he is in the right or in the wrong and that is an interesting thing but they can't you you cannot sustain that mystery for nine episodes right so you know a payoff is going to come earlier than the nine episodes and and for me like i'm not going to go back to the following three if, if that makes sense it's just i i've had my fill and it, this is not to my taste 
Is it like, does he kill one person each episode? Is, it, is, is that the way it works? <laughs> it's not quite mission of the week uh, material. <laughs> but, um, the, week. the other thing I'll say is there's only like, there's very, very, very few women in the whole show. Uh, they are very different, right? You have Riley Keough, who is Elvis's granddaughter and was in Zola as his wife, Lauren Reese. You have Constance Wu uh, of Fresh Off the Boat and uh, that stripper one with J-Lo that I can't remember right now, uh, who plays a journalist who uh, befriends him and sort of works with him and you have Jean Triplehorn who is the Secretary of Defence but everyone else is kind of a man who looks the same. <laughs> there are these like big you know beefy um, Navy SEALs and after a while I kind of run out of the ability to tell them apart. <laughs> I assume this is a one-off they won't commission a second series and well, he forgets all the people he killed and goes looking for a different <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say um, there are, I think, five novels in the in the oh, series. The, this right. is the first one, and this was a passion project for Chris Pratt that he has been trying to get off the grounds for quite a while. And Amazon has quite a lot of money in their pockets, so I wouldn't be too surprised if we come back at least for season two. Anyway, right? Okay. When they say passion project, anyway, that's just code for no one would buy it. <laughs> that's all that means. Right. Our third show is Harry Wild. New episodes every Wednesday at nine thirty-five on RTE One. Here's a clip. How well do you remember your Elizabethan playwrights? Oh Jesus, not now, Harry. I'm running really late. Edmund Porter. Do you remember him? He was a contemporary of Shakespeare and Marlowe, friend of the latter. Terrific. Uh, love, have you seen my phone? This can't be a coincidence. What can't? Calabras, his best-known work. In Act Two, Scene Three, the painter kills his father. Now, I'm not saying that yours is the son or a painter, that might be, but the way the body was lying with the head bashed in and the candles all around. Are you talking about... Did you read my casebook? Well, I couldn't sleep last night, so I... Harry, you can't do that! Don't you raise your voice at me. It's an official bloody document. It's not for anyone to just flick through when the mood takes them. I am just trying to help you. You are missing a crucial... Do not touch my work for any reason whatsoever. Is that clear? Well, suck you. I'm just trying to help you. Right, there you go. Uh, is that Dr. Quinn, medicine woman? Uh, uh, that is Dr. <laughs> Quinn, medicine woman. Do they explain, <laughs> they explain the discrepancy in accents? Anyway, wh- what's the premise here, James? Okay, so she is the titular Harry Wilde, Harriet Wilde. And in the opening uh, scenes of the show, which is, um, I guess, probably a co-production, it's made directly for Acorn TV, which is a streamer in the US that specifically streams British, Australian or New Zealand uh, or Irish TV, right? And uh, Jane Seymour plays Harriet Wilde, who's, uh, who in the very beginning retires from her role as a literary professor in Trinity College. And uh, I must say, Trinity is getting great exposure on various different mm-hmm. uh, platforms these days. And she walks through the cobbles and sees the Campanile and she gives a she does a very bizarre <laughs> um, resignation in front of her students, followed by a, like a, a, a switch and bait and disappears and then heads off to the pub. And then very very bizarrely, she gets really brutally mugged by this guy named Fergus, who's by a young Irish actor named Rohan Ned. Um, he he mugs her. I mean, he's a mugger with a heart of gold. <laughs> but like, as in, yeah, she, we've all met them. Yeah, she gets she, she gets like brutally pushed against uh, like a wall or something, and like has cut open her forehead, and it's quite traumatizing. And due to that, and her now being uh, like the young, like she's in fairness to Jane Seymour, she is seventy-one years old. She looks absolutely fantastic for her age. Uh, we're not quite 
clear how old Harry Wilde is supposed to be, but she certainly isn't like Hetty Wainthrop, right? You know, stumbling around mm. on a walking stick or something. She seems to be living life to the fullest and certainly is doing so romantically. But she ends up staying with her son, uh, who is played by Kevin Ryan, who is a guard detective. His wife is Amy Huberman, who is sort of just playing a prim and proper wife. And uh, in boredom, she reads his case files which um, are about this most unbelievably gruesome murder, which actually, that's how every episode, I think, opens with a very, very gruesome murder. And uh, Harry sees, recognises the reference to Elizabethan play, and she gets, you know, and the game is afoot. She sets off trying to solve the mystery, right? Now, my mate, oh, I'm sorry, and in doing so, then uh, teams up with her bugger. (laughs) That's the most bizarre part of the whole thing, because he has brutally mugged her, and then he becomes her psychic. Now, all in all, I thought that this was charming enough to be watchable, but not interesting enough to be essential viewing by any means, right? Mm. Like it is, it, like I thought it was very much cut from a Hetty Wainthrop uh, like uh, crop in the sense that it is about a slightly old, I mean, an older woman, although Patricia Rutledge, I guess, looked a lot older than Jane Seymour, who decides to take up uh, murder, murder she wrote type activities, uh, but with the aid of a younger man to do the heavy lifting every now and again. And I, my major concern was that each episode was going to be her using her literary past and mm. knowledge to solve a mystery. And I will say I watched episode two right before I came on air and it is not that. <laughs> In fact, it has like, it's a bizarre name. It's something like Samurai Doctors Stab You or something. And it, <laughs> it went in a direction I could absolutely not have foreseen going. So I will give credit to writers David Logan and Joe Spain for uh, definitely not uh, fought, you know, go, heading in the direction I thought the show that it was going into. Now that, I also cannot say I loved it <laughs> either because I thought all in all, it was just kind of silly, and but, but, but endearingly silly in its own way. You know, very, okay. very, very watchable, but like, you don't need to make an appointment to watch it if you get me. Yeah. Now, is it? It's so. It's murder of the week, is it? It's a different thing she has to solve every week. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So she's in her retirement now. She decides to sort of. She becomes an un, un, uh, like an unwilling uh, detective, but people keep looking, keep coming to her, much to her son's chagrin, uh, for her to help them solve crimes. And I will say, you know what? Uh, like, I guess. Uh, whatever you know, whatever age I am, I just have never quite seen Jane Seymour in various different things because, like, she was in Doctor Gwynne, Medicine Woman in the very early ni- in the early nineties when I wasn't watching it, but she did win an Emmy in nineteen eighty eight, and she's won various things along the way. And I have to give her a lot of credit for being quite charming. Now, she cannot do an Irish accent to save her life. And there are several moments in this show where she has to do an Irish accent to save her life. (laughs) But 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 Harry is is an English woman living in Ireland. So it's only for a few brief only for a few brief moments that she uh, she does this this kind of Irish stuff. But the other thing I'll say is when you are watching this. Remember, or if when anyone is watching this, remember it is made for Acorn TV. It is it is an outsider's view of Ireland, right? Mm. So it is a bit stage Irish, and you just have to kind of give it that, right? We are we are the outsiders looking in at this strange, you know, version of of Dublin that just doesn't really exist. But but honestly, 
I, 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 there was more, to, there was more charming than there was to hate. <laughs> right. Okay. D- does it give the impression that there's a murder in Dublin every week? Well, <laughs> that, that in itself is probably uh, erroneous. Not only is it that there are murders, there are these like hugely elaborate, you know, like quasi. Uh, I can't remember what that movie is where the guy has them all trapped. The Jigsaw movies, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> like quasi like murders like that. But but Harry's on the case. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. And. Uh, I don't know that uh, spoiler and so don't tell us if you can't but how does she end up somebody who mugged her how does that work that they become friends and and solve crimes together you know what I actually right when I watched the first episode I was like it makes absolutely no sense to me that she is befriending this like Harry uh, Harry has a heart of gold she see that her she sees into her the soul of her mugger Fergus and he has a heart of gold as well right in the second episode they make a very strong case for why he was mugging her and why she would sort of take it, uh, take him on board. And I feel like this was heavy lifting they should have done in episode one because I was there watching it going, now hang on a second here. She's literally been bleeding out of her forehead. <laughs> but, but they wrap it up. They they make a they make a good strong case for why they become friends in episode two. Okay, right. We were talking about only murders in the building. New episodes of season two every Tuesday on Disney Plus. The Terminal List. All of season one is now available on Amazon Prime. And Harry Wild. New episodes of that every Wednesday at nine thirty five on RT One. James Dempsey, thanks a million as ever. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, how your urine could help save the planet. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.